You're listening to Nonprofit Growth, a podcast for nonprofit leaders. We interview marketing experts and nonprofit leaders who are in the trenches advancing great causes around the world. They're implementing strategies, experimenting with tactics, and figuring out how to work smart as much as they work hard. Dan Sanchez is the host of this podcast as a nonprofit marketing director who's on a mission to learn how to mobilize an increasingly distracted world. When Dan's not interviewing guests, he'll share stories from behind the scenes of his work advancing the cause of Bethany International. Let's begin. Welcome back to another episode of Nonprofit Growth. Today, I have Mark Schlesinger with me, and he is the marketing director at the International House of Prayer. Thanks for joining me, Mark. So good to be here, Dan. Had some slight technical difficulties to begin with, but isn't that the nature of of this whole world? So um, <laughs> thank you for having me. That's kind of how it always goes. But we're here and we're we're now recording. Today, we yeah. wanted to talk about strategic marketing and your journey with that in the International House of Prayer. But first, before we get into that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the International House of Prayer and your role in the organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. The International House of Prayer is an evangelical missions organization at the heart of which is a prayer room that goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, praying for the Great Commission to be fulfilled, praying for social justice issues, praying for an effective witness to go forth, not only in our city, but in all the cities of the earth. And then a number of ministry initiatives have spun out of that place of prayer. And so we service the inner city uh, through ministries like Hope City. We service children, uh, many thousands a week, actually, through initiatives like the uh, Children's Equipping Center. And then we service college students as well and high school students. So college students through International House of Prayer University and and high school through various high school initiatives at at IHOP. So, uh, yeah, if anybody wanted to learn more about IHOP, they could go to IHOPKC.org. Man, there is no lack of activity going on at IHOPKC. <laughs> There's so many different not. ministries going on and 24-7 prayer. So they literally, the organization never sleeps, hasn't slept. And you guys just hit your 20th anniversary at IC? That's right. Awesome. 20th, we just celebrated that. And yeah, I, I, you hit the nail on the head, Dan. I mean, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 20 years is a lot of activity. Man. A lot of prayer, a lot of activity around that. It's so intense. So let's, let's get in the conversation about strategic marketing. Before we do, I want to ask you like how you define it. Cause I've know I've worked in places where it's like, well, of course it's strategic. We, (laughs) we, we needed leads and we did some stuff. How is that not strategic? So tell us, how do, how do you define strategic marketing? Yes. Super great question. You know, if I could back up a little bit, the end of the day, uh, strategy is a simple definition of, you know, what is strategy is strategy is, uh, about making decisions and, and what to do and what not to do. And uh, as it pertains to marketing, I find that there are a set of questions that are really, really critical, especially in the nonprofit, but I would say in any space as it pertains to marketing that need to be answered prior to the tactical execution of the marketing initiative or of the marketing campaign. And so uh, those that set of questions, to boil it down, really has to do with who is our market and who are the who are the people that we serve what do they value and how can we give them what they value as distinct from other options they're looking at and 
all of that entails what you normally think of when you're thinking of things like positioning or branding or segmentation or uh, value exchange between two entities. And those are rightly called strategic in nature. The tactics really have to do with price points. They have to do with distribution. They have to do with ways that we get the uh, message out, different techniques through social media. And those are all key. But I think a mistake, at least that I made many times initially before I got a hold of this concept, is to start with tactics and have no idea about those other things like who are we serving, what do they value, and to hope that this particular tactic, say Facebook marketing, now is the silver bullet, having never asked those prior strategic questions. And then you're kind of shooting in the dark as far as what you're hoping to achieve after that point. So that's what I define personally as strategic marketing uh, in nature. It's a set of critical high level questions that we're asking prior to any type of tactical execution level questions. So before you were thinking more about what you actually wanted to accomplish and who you wanted to reach, like what were some things that you were trying? What were some of the tactics and how did they kind of, how did they miss the mark essentially? Like paint a better, paint a picture for me, like in what it looked like. So I think most people think that they're being strategic. Right. Honestly, if you ask any marketing manager, marketing director, it's like, of course we're being strategic, but what did some of the, some of that execution look like and what was the result of it? Yeah, great question. So, you know, there are, if you get in a room with uh, creative people and smart people, there's going to be almost an unlimited number of tactical possibilities in, in, in marketing. So one of those, for example, a very simple example might be, hey, let's do testimonials. Let's release a bunch of testimonials through our main Facebook page that speak directly to somebody considering IHOPU as an option to go to school, right? So that seems reasonable. Testimonials are helpful and they tell the story of somebody who's actually experienced what you might be looking for. Uh, so in the past, I would have said, you know, great idea. Let's get a testimonial. Let's put it on the Facebook page. Awesome, right? The problem was the results were very, very lackluster. We would get very little views and I begin to, uh, and we would get very little return on the investment it took to create the video, uh, the investment it took to distribute that video on the channel and the investment it took if we put paid advertising behind that, we really wouldn't see a return on investment. So I began to ask myself like, what is it that we're missing? And slowly but surely I begin to discover, wait a second, like we're not talking to people who are interested in coming to IHOPU. And if they are interested in coming to IHOPU, we're not talking to them at the right time. We're talking to them prior to them even knowing the basics that they need to know to warrant having a video testimonial put in front of them. And so I began to ask different questions when we would get in these conversations like, well, guys, who do we want to talk to where are they right now in their journey of interacting with the International House of Prayer? And what piece of content specifically could meet them where they're at and what they need to hear and take them then to the next place? And that became what I termed strategic conversations first. And then going forward, we could talk about the various tactics and write pieces of content in this example to use to achieve what we wanted to achieve. 
I'm sure every nonprofit marketer can relate. I think we've all been in those conversations where they're like, they just need to hear more stories. You're just <laughs> kind of right. like, uh, okay, like right. there's stories floating around. Like how many testimony videos have you ever watched? Like, cause That's I don't right. know, I don't know about you, but I don't go to other nonprofit pages and like watch testimonial after testimonial. Like you might catch one here and there, but come on. Like it, no, actually right. nobody even really likes reading testimonials until you're, until you're really getting close to making a decision to donate or to join a program or then you might, then you read a few and you like to know that there's thousands with five stars, but even when you're doing it on Amazon, you only read one or two. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's a, that's a hundred percent right, Dan. So, so we, we need to ask ourselves the question, who are we talking to and, and at what place are they in terms of their interaction with our organization or our brand? And is that conversation warranted? And I found that another key to maybe being strategic is to also be very, very human. If I was invited to say here a pitch about, I'm going to hold up an iPhone here, although this is just going to be audio, but to hear a pitch, so to speak, not that I ever would be, but about an iPhone. And suddenly the topic changed to being talked to about I'm staring at this briefcase that I that I use. It's a rolling briefcase. It's not a it's not a real briefcase. You know, it would be a little jarring. Like, wait a second, I thought we were having one conversation, and now you're talking to me about something else. That would be awkward and strange at the human level. We do that all the time in digital marketing world. You know, people are coming to Facebook or our website or various pages, and they think they're going to experience one thing, and we're going. Let's hit them with 10 testimonials. And they're going, I, I didn't even want to have that conversation with you. I wanted to have a different conversation. And knowing that, you will get dramatically different results if you're aware of what conversation they want to have when, and you're being very human about it. So after you figured out the need to kind of change your approach, like what process did you, process did you take to change that with your, with your team there? That is an excellent question. At the end of the day, I think that the theories of you know what we're talking about are critical, but if you don't back them up, that's one of the, the keys. You know, if I'm asked like what was one of the main keys of you know some of the success we saw at, at the International House of Prayer, it would be very simply to create processes around your strategic values. Create things. It's almost uh, to, to, to borrow the name of the, of the famous book, The Checklist Manifesto. Really, The Checklist Manifesto is about creating effective processes, creating checklists, creating... I love a, that book. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. And a, a set of things that you have to work through for you to get an intended outcome. Um, so the processes at the end of the day were us doing robust segmentation and then targeting exercises. So what we would do, for example, at the beginning of a campaign was to go through all of the possible segments that connected with IHOP KC, hone into one, so that's called segmentation, then hone into one or two or three most likely to benefit and derive value from what we were trying to what we were trying to show them and what we're trying to engage them with. That's called targeting. And then craft messaging and craft next steps and offers that were specific to those particular targets. And then when we approached Facebook and other channels to use those tools specifically with their, with their impressive abilities to target with laser-like precision different markets to get our message in front of those people and then 
give them what we felt was the most next, full, the, the, the best, most important next step for them to take in that. And uh, that, that, that's, that's a process that we would literally go through to start off every campaign. Absolutely. That's a process we use heavily for BGU. And I'm only just now starting to use it for even our donor donor campaigns for Bethany International, trying to get the right message to the right person at the right time. To right. Be, to be, it's definitely more tricky than just pray, like spray and pray, but it <laughs> um, is well, well worth it. Can you tell us a little bit about the fruit you've seen changing to this methodology? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just couldn't agree more that it is more tricky then it's it's a hundred times more effective, but it's also it's very normal to think that spray and pray, you know, or pray and spray, just release a piece of content, do something is effective, mostly because we don't know what to do, which is why I term my approach and the approach that I think good marketers share as strategic, because essentially it's giving you a framework with which to make great decisions so that you know at some level you're going to hit the mark rather than, you know, pray and spray. And so some of the fruit of that has been honestly the feedback that we get from the people that we're engaging with. It's like, hey, you're speaking right to me. You're talking about the things that I want to hear about. And also, what you put in front of me as a next step was super, super helpful for me. And that seems to fly in the face of what a lot of people fear as it pertains to marketing, which is that you're going to come across as this sort of like huckster, pushy salesperson, when in fact, people are coming to you because they have needs, they derive value from their interactions with you, and you being attuned to the types of value they derive from you and then giving them that value on purpose and then showing them what the next step is, is actually an act of true Christian, I would say Christian service, certainly nonprofit service to them uh, if done right. So, so the fruit has been, thank you. This is awesome. And I'm grateful you gave me the next step. And then of course, increased registrations at conferences and events and registrations at our schools and you know the typical sort of business activities and metrics that you would be concerned about as a as a marketer. That's amazing. So, what kind of like have you seen? What where have you seen it the most successful so far? Like maybe at a particular conference or mm-hmm. uh, student attendance enrollment at the school? Like where have you seen the most growth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. I, I, the the most growth has been at our year end conference. Our year end conference is uh, a large gathering at the end of the year, every year in Kansas City, except for this year, we decided to put a pause on it. I can talk about that in a second. But essentially, the, the name of the conference is one thing. And uh, I was going along with this kind of approach, not the strategic approach, it was prior to learning that and understanding that, discovering that, the other approach. And I wasn't seeing the types of things that I wanted to see, namely growth. And, and since implementing that, uh, we totally switched strategies, actually, and we grew year over year, four years in a row. And so to me, the other big metric, in addition to the just flat out registration growth, was the growth in terms of ROI for our ad spend on social. We would regularly see return on ad spend, ROAS, ROAS or return on investment in the 800% range. 
which was just fantastic because that meant that, you know, sometimes we were only spending $3 or $4 per conversion. And these tickets were being sold at, you know, $85 to, to $115. And so, you know, IHOP does not exist to make a profit. We're, we're, that's not the space that we're in. That said, it's a very expensive conference. And to have a return on ad spend like that just meant that we were able to pay for things and put on a great event for people and serve them well. Absolutely, man. 800% growth in your, what was it, the ad, your return on ad spend? That's what it was. Yes. (laughs) That's pretty insane. Yes. Man, I'll take, I'll take $3 for an $85 uh, swap any day. That just sounds like you could run those all day and still be working really well. So then you could take the $85 and reinvest it back in, right? That's exactly right. And that allowed us then, therefore, taking that kind of uh, approach. I mean, actually, what you what you just said hits the nail on the head. What we would do is, and this is just more of a little tip that I've learned in terms of social media marketing, something that we focused on heavily in, at my time, during my time here, is when you're seeing that type of return on ad spend, it gives you the ability then to scale out to different audiences that you're not going to see that type of return on ad spend. So if you can get for audiences that have a lot of affinity with you, this high return on ad spend, then you can branch out and go to an audience that it might take like four times or 10 times the amount of ads, meaning Ultimately, I can now afford to pay $15 or $20 or $30 or $40 or $50 or $60 for, for uh, you know, cost per conversion because over here, I'm getting an incredibly solid return on ad spend. So in other words, you can scale when you start to do that, which goes back to the power of strategic marketing. That's usually what I'm all about is uh, scalable growth, right? Try to get it to be repeatable so you can just go from getting a few to getting hundreds to getting a th- getting thousands quickly without too that's, much more work, right? That's, that's right, Dan. It, essentially, a lot of people never get to be able to scale because they're not understanding who they're talking to. They're not putting the right messages in front of those people. They're not leading them to the next step. So therefore all of the budget that they have is going towards convincing people that they don't really have a good shot of convincing to do things that those people don't want to do. And so therefore you're, you're going to waste a lot of money doing that. And so those are, I would say some of the key, key emphases and key results. Sure. So what advice would you give to other nonprofit marketer, marketers regarding strategic marketer marketing? I actually have three things you've kind of even just said in the last second that I was like, Oh, I think it'd be great if you could elaborate on what people could do to do this better. Mm-hmm. I think you said they need to find the right person. They need to find the right message. And then they need to find the right place to communicate to that person with that message. So what could others do to kind of find the right person, the right message and the right place? Yeah, that's, that's, those are, those are excellent questions. You know, I would say that there is a spectrum of activities and processes that you can undertake to accomplish those three things that you just mentioned, Dan. And I'll start with number one, which is, okay, if I'm trying to find the right person, what sort of processes, what kind of things can I actually do to find that person? Well, of course, on the high end of the spectrum, let's say that you're a nonprofit with a very, very large budget. You could hire a market research firm and they will charge you a lot. And, but, but, uh, but you'll get gold 
if they're worth their salt as a firm. They ideally would be mining your own data and then mining the market's data in general. And they would return to you um, excellent information about who your customers are and their preferences and their psychographic profiles. All that term means is what they really value, not necessarily their demographics, like, oh, they're 18 to 21-year-olds. That's, that's valuable-ish, but you need to know more about what they internally value, their psychological, emotional preferences, those types of things, the benefits. So you could hire a firm. We didn't have the budget to be able to do that at, at IHOP. So what we would do is get a bunch of people who knew our, the people that trekked with IHOP really well in a room. And I would say probably through the exercise I would recommend here, we'd get 80% of the way there. We would literally just brainstorm all possible segments using a process that I developed, actually, that essentially named the segments using adjectives that were descriptive. So we'd say like intercessor Ingrid, you know, for example, and, and develop a profile around that person. And we would list those all out. So that would be number okay. one. Go ahead. Did you, yeah. did you use internal people, like people that worked at IHOP or did you, you find people that weren't on staff at I, IHOP KC and bring them in? No, uh, actually most of the time we, we used internal people to brainstorm the different segments. Then we would augment that using our social channels and put out polls to discover if the things that we thought were true about our audience were really true. So we would ask different people, what's your favorite thing about worship? And I would boost that ad and it would be a poll and we'd get five different responses. Or what's the thing that you most connect with IHOP KC around? And we'd get, you know, maybe several thousand responses, but they fall under five categories. So to answer your question directly, Dan, we would take people internally, brainstorm out our segments, and then augment our own brain dumps by asking our audience through social media if we were right on track, if we were on track. And oftentimes we would find like, oh, okay, we were not on track here, but over here we were, and we would get a robust profile of the different reasons why people connected with us and what kind of value they were deriving from interacting with IHOPKC. And then we would build profiles of people off of those things. And essentially, we would pick and choose within that, within those various segments, a target to focus on for the campaign. So it began with getting the right people in the room to brainstorm, augmenting that through social polls, and then condensing that into profiles. And then step four, I would say, is then choosing the target based upon, and this was a key step, this would say, I'd say number four step was what it is that we're offering versus the segments that the targets values and aligning those two. So if we found, for example, a, a, a segment of the people that trekked with us that really wanted to get a degree in a theological degree, that's a very small segment of the overall population. We would then, of course, target those people to, to make this really concrete with messages that were stage appropriate about IHOPU. So that's pretty good. I've never actually used that approach. You're essentially using internal people to came up, come up with personas and then using surveys, social surveys to validate the personas and give you 
more feedback as to what they like or how they describe the experience. Hundred percent. So that's awesome. So then, yeah. what, once you have that data and you kind of have your set personas and your the kind of the words they use to describe their values, what, how do you craft the messaging from that? Yeah, that's where the art traditionally in the marketing world, the art of copywriting comes into play. There, I like to think of that as. You know, copywriting can have all sorts of different negative connotations. I like to think of it as just, what is your marketing message? And so essentially at, at, at IHOPKC, we did have several people on staff whose job it was to write. And so then what happens is you kind of have this, almost this charter, so to speak, for the marketing campaign. And what we would do is, there's a couple steps I'm leaving out, but essentially the whole process I just described had a couple more steps, but ultimately we would get what I called like a positioning document or a charter for the campaign. I would get those rooms, the next big step in the process, not just those sub steps that I described for kind of step one, but this is next big step. Step two is get those people in a room, go over this charter, this positioning charter with them. And start to let them do what they're amazing at, which is write out in light of what these people value, in light of the targeting, in light of now the offering that we're going to present to them, what at the language level do they need to hear? And that began that process. And essentially, they would go away and do what they do best. It's almost like giving a, a raw concept to an excellent graphic designer. You know, Let them go away and do what they do best. And then we would come back in in a subsequent meeting. and some of this is subjective. You'll never take away that completely from marketing and you shouldn't. Uh, great innovative ideas come from gut plus great processes and data. Um, and we would come back in and, and, and check to see if we felt, we being the leadership team, like what they had written was really hitting the mark. In terms of breaking that down a little bit more, hitting the mark is an art in and of itself. And I would say that some of the best things, in my opinion, that you could spend money on in a nonprofit in, for marketing would be to get a person that understands some of the dynamics of, of effective marketing messaging. So writing with benefits that are appropriate to your audience, writing to overcome objections from people, writing with a high vision, and then obviously somebody that deeply understands your organization's core message and infuses all of those best practices of writing with that core message. Um, there are a few things more powerful other than video, but that still requires great writing. So right. get those people on staff if, if at all possible. So we've kind of covered how, like, how to find the right person, how to find the right message. That's right. And how, once you got that message, how do you find the right place to find those people? Yes. So. What you're going to ask yourself is another set of questions, which is, okay, there's these various platforms and options out there for me to distribute this. This now, uh, imagine that we have the finished product and it's a video um, and it leads them to a landing page with uh, this marketing messaging that uh, explains what we're talking about. It gives them the benefits. It overcomes objections. It gives them next steps, all of these best things that you need to include in those things, you need to be asking yourself, where is this audience hanging out? And think of it almost like from a human perspective. Like if I'm going to go talk to a bunch of skateboarders, for example, a reasonable place might be a skate park to find those people at, to find those people hanging out at, because uh, that's where skaters hang out. And so online, 
where is my audience? So if I'm talking to 35 to 45 or 50 year olds and they're Christians and they're charismatic leaning, for example, and they uh, have an affinity for prayer and worship, um, where can I find some of those people? So then we ask ourselves, you know, given the platforms that are there, what's, where are they likely to be? You know, am I first going to take a, a look at LinkedIn? You know, to be honest with you, Dan, probably not in the example I just gave. But Facebook seems like a great place where we could at least experiment. But then if I'm going like, okay, we're really talking to 16 to 18 year olds that are millennials and that are kind of Christians, but really exploring, I might go to Snapchat or TikTok or especially Instagram. And the reason I say Instagram in this case is not because those other channels aren't massively growing, but because you have to weigh not only where they're at with the platform's technical capabilities for you to reach those people. And Instagram and Facebook have made a billion, billions of dollars of business in, in optimizing their platform so that you can really robustly um, target people and so you can effectively reach them. And so that's a consideration within there. But essentially, Dan, you're finding where they're at and then you're going, okay, I'm going to use these tools effectively to get my message in front of those people. Man, taking a look at this, uh, the demographics that are using uh, important platforms is a great way. I know I also, I love it when prospective students come on campus. I usually like to get with a group of them. You know, they haven't bought yet. They're just kind of checking out the campus. And I ask them like, hey guys, like what kind of apps do you have on your phone these days? Like, where do you spend your time? And they're like, oh, well, we're on the Instagram, you know, or I'll get a group and they'll be like, oh, I'm into Snapchat. And you're like, really? It's starting to come back, is it? And then I'll find out, oh no, that was that was just two of them out of the hundred that are coming to visit or whatever. I'm like, where, right. are you, where are you spending your time? What what apps are you downloading right now? At least for for us, we're often targeting, I don't know, between the ages of like 17 and 22. So I'm always asking like, what apps are you using right now? But of course, uh, depending on what nonprofit others are running or what market target market they're targeting, they have to go and ask them where they're spending the time. They might even be spending a lot of time on the smartphone, depending on who they are and where they are. My my comment on that, Dan, would be, you know, for let, let's say that there's some marketers that are going to listen to this or just people in general. It's easy to get lost in in this current age of digital marketing, believing that everything that you do has to be incredibly high tech. But I, I would just say the the tactic that you just said for discovering what the market really wants and is about is probably the most effective on the earth, which is just talking to people and asking lots of people that you come across what they want, what are they doing? How, and so never miss an opportunity as a marketer to be actually with your market and ask them face-to-face questions. You'll learn almost more than with any other means. It's a good way to go. Just just talk to them directly and ask them. Right. <laughs> and then if you talk to enough of them, you'll you'll start to find the trend. 100%. But sometimes I, I'd, I'd say some people, there are times when people don't even know where they're paying attention. Have you ever met someone who's like, I don't, marketing doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. They're like Nike, got <laughs> Apple Watch. You're like, nah, it does. You just have no idea, right? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I even, do meet those people all the time. But so there's, there's sometimes people don't know, know exactly where their attention is and how it's being, I don't know, pulled on, persuaded by, by marketers. I don't want to say manipulated though. I'm sure sometimes it is. Even a few episodes ago, I was interviewing someone else. He's like, you wouldn't believe cost per acquisition I'm getting on digital billboards right now, just because mm-hmm. it's easy to scale up 
a hundred digital billboards with a with the click of a button for some for some display agencies out there. Mm-hmm. He's like, so it's underpriced right now. And they still get, despite the fact that like all passengers and cars are like looking at their phones, it's still getting enough attention that it can still be effective. But if you ask them, dude, are digital billboards effective? They'd be like, wait, what? What's a digital billboard, right? right. So sometimes you're like, you never know. <laughs> Though yeah. I'd say starting with asking people directly is a great way, but even just going and looking at statistics of what people are, what's what's working right now can work great too. Yeah, that's right. And And at the end of the day, it depends on the budget that you have for a lot of this stuff. And so you're trying to do the most. This is another challenge. Like if, if people are listening and going, you know, I want to start small. I would say there's nothing better again than to, to do what you suggested, Dan, which is to ask people. But then if you have more ability via budget, branch out. Uh, there's no, I think that all, you learn different things through different uh, types of market research and all of them can be beneficial in some way. Absolutely. So Mark, this has been a wonderful time just getting to know your process, how it's played out International House of Prayer and to learn how you're approaching strategic marketing. If others want to learn more about your approach and what you've done at IHOP KC and even learn about like your your new side hustle that's kind of come into play recently, how can other people connect with you online? Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you, Dan. You know, I think the best way to connect with me would be to visit LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on linkedin.com slash I-N slash Mark Schlesinger. That's M-A-R-K-S-L-E-Z-I-N-G-E-R. And essentially the side hustle that uh, Dan, you're referencing is a, is a marketing agency that I've started serving really our local community here. And that's branched out to extra local and, and national across the United States. But really implementing the same types of things we've done for House of Prayer but for nonprofits and for-profits, because essentially these tactics, these strategies just work. And so our passion is to, to help people with a worthy cause succeed in the marketplace or in the nonprofit space as well. So yes, LinkedIn would be a great way to reach out. Excellent. And I recommend everybody does. Mark's an amazing guy. And the work he's doing over at Blue Ocean Marketing is, is working. So Mark, again, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been a pleasure. If you want to take your nonprofit's digital marketing to the next level, you will want to check out Growth Guide's Digital Marketing Playbook for Nonprofits. It's packed with the latest strategies, tactics, and scientific research around marketing your nonprofit through digital channels. Get your free guide today at growthguide.co slash DM. That's growthguide.co slash DM. You've been listening to Nonprofit Growth, hosted by Dan Sanchez. Please subscribe to the Nonprofit Growth Show in your favorite podcast player to hear all of our episodes. We'd love to connect with you about our podcast at growthguide.co slash contact. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.